Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hey everyone, happy Sunday. Just popping in here to let you know that this episode touches on childhood sexual abuse. So if you are sensitive to this topic or are listening around little ears, I would suggest that you hold off or that you take some space before diving in. This is an amazing story of resilience and overcoming. And I was just so honored to speak with our guest Taylor a few weeks ago about her story and about her journey. So I hope you enjoy and take care. Bye. Hi, I'm Alex L. and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hi Taylor. It's so good to talk with you today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good today. Um, I'm really excited to be able to have this conversation with you and to let the Hey Girl listeners know a little more about who you are and what you do. So can you introduce yourself to everyone? Sure. Thank you for having me. Hi, my name is Taylor J. I am the founder of Taylor J Collection. We are a women's contemporary brand and everything is designed and made in Oakland, California. We are mm. most popular and known for our super comfortable, versatile pieces that go the distance. Oh my goodness. I love my pieces that I bought from you. They are absolutely super comfortable and I could literally live in them. So thank you <laughs> for those offerings. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for your support. So I want to dive right into how you got started, how the brand Taylor J came to be. And I also want to talk about your journey through motherhood. So maybe we start there. Can you share a little bit of your story with becoming a mother and how resilience has shaped you since then? Uh, sure. Um, wow. Yes. Um, motherhood. That is, <laughs> that is a place that is a, ser- that is a serious position. I became a mother at the age of 14. So I was a teen mom and my story is a little unique. I was actually a victim of sexual abuse um, that ended in um, pregnancy. And at the age of 14, I had my daughter. She's actually my partner right now, actually in the business, which is awesome. But motherhood was a unique journey for me. I really have parenting support. At that time, I was living with different family members. So my beginnings were very rough. My daughter was my blessing and she was my friend, you know, she was my special gift from God. With that and being, you know, very spiritual, I was able to pretty much push through every challenging obstacle that I was facing. But at the early age of about 18, I think, my daughter and I, we moved to Southern California and that's 
pretty much where our lives began. Mm-hmm. And I just, mothering was just something that I just learned as I went, you know, and I'm still learning it. She's 26 years old. And each day I learned something new about being her mother, being a mother and what that looks like. But I always consider my daughter to be a blessing from God. It was not, you know, it was a bad situation that turned out to be something beautiful and amazing because of my daughter. She's here. And mm-hmm. we've grown a lot together. And even during this pandemic, our relationship has grown. It's been magical because we've just gotten so much closer. And we're, you know, developing like this friendship versus like mother and daughter. And, you know, we're so opposite. She's so sensitive. And I'm so like tough because I've been through so much. And I've had to, you know, kind of put a wall up for every situation in my life just to kind of uh, get through and push through and, and stay strong and not be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. But motherhood for me, it's a long story. It's a lot. <laughs> I don't know if we can get it to it in this short time, but it definitely has been something that I feel blessed that God chose me, even though it was something that you wouldn't wish on anyone. It's still, you know, the outcome of being a mother to a daughter who's amazing human has been a blessing. I think your story is so powerful because of, first of all, your willingness to share, you know, the trauma in which your mothering experience started, but that you are also, you and your daughter have this really special and close relationship and you literally have made a way for you both. I was a teen mom as well. At 18, I had my daughter and, um, oh, wow. yes, my first daughter, she's, um, her name is Charlie and she is 12. So, you know, while our situations coming into motherhood were a little bit different you still learn as you go and you like Mm -hmm. having kids as teenagers is not something I ever want my daughters to have to experience and the reason being because you have to work triple times hard to keep another human being alive and yourself and you have to learn life skills and the tools to move through and make a way and for me in particular I knew that at 18 when I had Charlie that I did not want to be a statistic in the sense how society looks at black unwed teen mothers Mm -hmm. I mean a lot of us don't have the stories that you and I have we are truly blessed to be in the position of being able to overcome a lot of things in life and I just find that it's extremely powerful that you are willing to talk about your sexual abuse and coming into motherhood and also acknowledge the fact that it wasn't ideal. It wasn't great at all, but you got this blessing out of it and you are who you are today in your motherhood and in your being because of the journey that you walk through. So I just take hats off to you. Thank you. Thank you. And you said it best, you know, just not wanting to be a statistic and not saying, you know, this is not the story. Like, this is not the end. Mm -hmm. You know, this this is, um, it's been written and, you know, we're following God's lead, but it's not the end. And so that was pretty much what pushed me through. I had so many dreams you know, young, I wanted to be a journalist and I wanted to be an actress. And, you know, I wanted to own my own vintage boutique. You know, I had all these dreams and I never allowed what I was going through to just say, hey, this is the end. You know, it actually pushed me even more. I think my ambition came from, you know, I will not just be a statistic. I will not, you know, be a young girl that had a baby and then, you know, just continue down that road of, you know, just not um, finding myself and healing and and being able to achieve things that were set and put in place for me. Mm -hmm. So I, I, what you said, 100%. 
I want to touch on healing because I can only imagine how much healing had to happen walking through such a traumatic experience. So as a 14-year-old, how did you start healing after your daughter was born? And the reason why I ask that is because I know that at 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, I didn't know anything. I didn't have the language that I had now. And I had, when I had my daughter, I had to find my language, find my voice and find my intention behind Mm -hmm. healing through, you know, the traumas that caused me to, you know, have a baby at 18. I was searching for love in all the wrong places, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, how do I mend something that I thought was broken all these years? So how did that come about for you? your healing work as a young mother and now as as an adult raising your own adult child now? Yeah, you know, that's a a great question. Healing, you know, I would say um, true healing did not begin for me until maybe about five years ago. Mm. And I'm still in that process. But I thought that I was healing. I thought that I was okay. You know, I was, you know, working through things. I was achieving things and accomplishing things. You know, you think that, oh, okay, so I'm okay. You know, I've made it through. But it's all, it's it's within, you know, it's it's deeper than just what everyone else can see. And so five years ago, when I started going to therapy and talking to a therapist about my life and my challenges and the things that I've experienced and how I respond and react and live through things now is when I realized, wow, I've got a lot of healing to do. And then about Three years ago, my daughter, she moved from Los Angeles to Oakland with me, and she was going through anxiety. And I think that's when some real healing took place because I had never experienced anything like that. And seeing my daughter in this space of anxiety and not really knowing what to do is when I had to learn a lot about myself and a lot of healing began for me as well as her. Mm -hmm. And so I'm still working through that. I'm every every day you know you think you're strong you think you've got it you figured out you think you understand but you can learn something new from through someone through an experience so healing for me it's an ongoing process I don't think that you can just be healed when Mm -hmm. you've dealt with so much trauma you know and experiences of your life but I think as long as you are seeking that and you know that it's needed and it's necessary for you to thrive as a healthy human then that's the beginning of finding uh, at least a, a safe space in the journey of healing. safe space. I love that. So to switch gears, I want to talk about your love of clothes and you being a black woman in this space of fashion and entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. You guys have your own storefront now, which is beautiful from what I've seen online. And you know, the pandemic happened and all of these things. So let's start with your love for clothing and why you decided to have Taylor J come to be in this way. Clothing for me started at a younger age. It was my safe zone. Like I felt like I could express myself through clothing. So I used to love to wear vintage pieces and I love to wear pieces that someone else owned. And I would, you know, make up stories of what they did and how they were and how they were living in those pieces when it was there. So that was my initial love for clothing was vintage. I always wanted a vintage store. And when I moved to SoCal, 
I started to work on that process. Like, how can I, you know, open up a store? And that was basically what, I, what my goal was. And I did. I succeeded. I opened up a shop. And then from there, I decided to come up with something that worked for bodies through the journey. Because mm-hmm. I went from being like a size two, I think it was like a size two, four. I was really petite, even after my daughter. And she was uh, born eight, five, six, seven years old. I was still like 105 pounds. Mm-hmm. So I was really small. And then I gained weight. And I went from like being a size two, four to like an 11 or 12 within like six months. And oh, so wow. it changed. Yeah, it was like one, I went from one body to another. And so just having gone through that experience and dealing with the clothing and dressing and being comfortable and being uncomfortable and not knowing what worked for my body, I was like, what can I make that works for women no matter what size she is and that she's always comfortable. And so that's pretty much how the idea of Taylor J came about. And it just bloomed into something out here in Oakland when I moved back to the Bay Area where I'm from. I'm a native of the Bay Area. And so it was just, you know, it's been about comfort and just being, it ties into motherhood, just being a teen mother and being uncomfortable, being judged, you know, being all these uncomfortable spaces that I experienced. Mm -hmm. I felt like women, we deserve to feel good. We deserve to feel comfortable. We should feel relaxed and we shouldn't be worried about what we're wearing because our body, you know, it just shouldn't, that those things shouldn't be. And so that is pretty much how my thought process and how, what I thought about when I was going to create the brand. And I went from having a shop in Oakland and LA and I just closed and just went on my journey into learning more about design. I'm a self-taught designer. So I didn't you know, this is this was not my dream of being a fashion designer. I had no clue. <laughs> I just knew about women and clothing. And I love to talk with my customers and hear their life stories and seeing them wear their clothing and hear what they wore, and what they did in it. And it was just like, it's just been such a community and a love that was organically created within the brand that stemmed from like just having a shop and like natural behaviors that we I have with my customers. And so my love for clothing is all about comfort and clothing that goes a distance that you can count on. And it just gives you like that comfort, even when you don't feel comfortable. Mm. So uh, that's kind of my relationship with fashion. We're not very trendy, just more so, you know, it's all about longevity and yep. things that you can rely on. Livable, yes, livable. items. <laughs> so being a black woman in the fashion industry and making your pathway and showing up proud in the work that you do as a self-taught fashion designer. What has that been like through your journey and through your years of just coming to be who you are today as a business owner, opening up your new store, and then having the pandemic happen and having things shift for your business and for uh, your customers as well? How has that been? Yeah, it's been an emotional roller coaster, I would say. Just being a Black woman in the fashion industry just has been something that, you know, we all know fashion is really tough. And just being a Black woman with a brand, specifically like a brand like mine, I've been overlooked so many times, you know. So it's right now it's a really emotional space because you have a lot of people coming at you and messaging you and wanting to work with you. And it's a very weird space for me as a Black woman in business. And we're you know, just trying to deal with the first thing, which is uh, I'm black, you know, Mm -hmm. in our community, we're going through so much. So I'm already super duper emotional, you know, and then there's the pandemic, you know, we're trying to stay safe and keep our community safe and support our community and also keep our business alive. 
So it's been quite a um, ride. I will say that we just opened our flagship store. We actually started in July of last year. And so it was a pop-up and then we decided to go ahead and secure the space and make it a permanent situation at the top of the year. And then the pandemic hit. And so immediately my thoughts were, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Like now we have overhead. All of the plans for the space are probably most likely going to be canceled. And the space, my idea for having that storefront was not only to provide clothing, but also to be a space for empowerment. Mm-hmm. Because I was a teen mother, I'm very much into that. Like, I want to be able to inspire the youth, the inner city kids, and expose them to things that they've never seen. They see me doing this and they feel so inspired. So that was my goal and my plan for that space to use it for more than just selling of goods, but to, you know, hold um, events and education and all of these different things. So I was really saddened by that and I'm not quite sure why. And then, you know, just all of the events that have happened with the movements and the killings, it's just been a really emotional uh, year. And just, I will say, just being a Black woman, as you know, I was like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. we have, this is our story. This is our lives. Like, we're so used to fighting. We're so used to, you know, figuring things out. We're so used to having to create our own lane because we're not invited to many other lanes or even, mm-hmm. you know, looked at. So it, it's been trying, you know, but it's been a blessing too. We pivoted a bit and we started mask making and donating in, in the beginning and it's kept us busy and we've been allowed to grow and our masks are really popular for a lot of people. They love them and we get a lot of great reviews, but it's not over, you know, it won't be over for a long time. And what's happening now with a lot of people working and reaching out, I hope that this continues. I hope that people continue to, you know, look beyond a person's color and just, you know, just be treated like humans, you know, like that's right. what I hope, like, this is not a trend, you know, right. like this cannot be a trend, like, oh, okay, I'm going to do this for a little while and then it falls off. Like I've been rejected, ignored and looked over so many times as a black designer, you know, and, you know, it's like now I'm not doing anything different than what I was already doing. <laughs> Right. Just, I'm visible now, you know? And so I just hope that people change their hearts because that's really where it all begins. This is the heart. But I, I will continue to you know, try to be a, a positive person and position myself to encourage and inspire and empower you know, my community and others as well. How about you? You know, I'm, I'm actually doing okay. And the reason why I'm doing okay, I think, is because I'm centering my work and my life around what I can control and releasing what I can't. And all I can do mm. is show up and do my work and do my part. Something that has been interesting, mm. though, are, and I, I think I heard you speaking about an experience similar, so I'm going to share this. I, uh, okay. like, as the first Amplify Black Voices stuff started trickling through my DMs, <laughs> this, right. Right, this white woman who I was friendly with a few years ago, who I haven't spoken with, in a few years, shared me on Instagram and said something about me being her prolific friend, right? And I remember thinking, this is so performative. I haven't talked to this woman in years. And now, since I'm probably the Mm. only Black woman that she knows, and because 
quote unquote platform that I have, of course she wants to be linked to knowing who I am and to mm-hmm. trying to pretend like we're friends. We're not we're not friends. And (laughs) that was very bizarre to me. And it reminded me of why it's so important for folks to stop performing for the validation Mm -hmm. of other people, specifically on social media, when you're not even in aligned with this, don't amplify my black person calling me your prolific friend and we don't even talk. So I found that very, very interesting. And then I listened to your, you had a conversation with another woman and you were saying that you had people like tagging you and reaching out to you now who had previously ignored you and shut you down just to kind of like put you in the mix of like, I'm going to amplify this black voice, but they never had done it before. Yes. So can you talk a little yes. about that? Like, how did that make you feel? And <laughs> how were you able to respond to that if you did at all? I did actually, because <laughs> I'm kind of like that. I'm like, I have to speak my piece. <laughs> right. Um, I, I just, it's like insulting, you know? I mean, it's like, the, I know the person and I was tagged and I was like, okay, so I'm one of the few black you know, business owners, designers that you know, so you're, you know, tagging me and representing or speaking for me, whatever. And mm-hmm. so I just messaged and I said, hey, you know, I'm really disappointed in your post. It's not genuine. It's not authentic. And it's not true. And I just basically went off, you know, reminded them of the past and all. Mm-hmm. Of and they pretty much moved the conversation from the uh, Instagram to text message because we actually know each other. You know, like we actually have each other's phone numbers, you know? So she said, um, she text messaged me and it's so crazy because she went from being, oh no, your brand was not, uh, it was beyond our, higher than our price points and all of these things to talking about herself and mm. how hard it is about the shop and asking me questions. And it just became a very self-centered text message. And I just stopped responding. And I said, this is what happens. It's not genuine. You know, you go from, you know, saying this because you don't want to look at it as if you're not supporting, you're not for, you know, the movement, but it's all about you as well. Because I also have another company right now that wanted to do a partnership with me. And I said they wanted to do like a shared story uh, where we kind of take over each other's stories. And I said, well, you know, right now I'm creating space on my platform for other Black yep. women in business. So yep. I can't give you the platform that I can go on your stories but I don't want to um I can't have you on mine and so the person in the marketing team replied back oh we're sustainable like you as well and we're kind of going to that angle and I don't even want to do it now because I'm like well I get the sustainability and all of that but I'm a black woman a black mother I have black brothers and nephews and right now if this is serious for us Yes. This is not a game. You know, this is a serious, serious, serious situation. And so I'm not that greedy or that hungry for right. connections to, right. to, to align myself with someone who can't even be in the fight with me, you mm-hmm. know? And so I just can't do that because it's part of the problem. It's the reason why we have been so, we've had to fight so much harder and we are so exhausted. We are so tired. And all of that, you know, so there's so much of that and I'm completely against it. Mm. So I, I, I won't play the fake games. I can't. I think that's really important. And I'm glad that you stood up for yourself and, and brought that up because it is so interesting how things shift when people feel like their credibility is on the line. I've been talking to my husband a lot about this is like, I would rather you say nothing. If you're not in allyship, I would rather you say nothing. Don't perform. And that's what I've been seeing a lot of on social media. I've had so many people reach out 
you know, wanting a partner, wanting to be on the podcast, all the things, because they want to show that they are in alignment with someone Black. And I have denied right. each and every person, specifically wow. folks who are not in allyship. And it's okay if you're not in allyship. Like, that doesn't bother me. What bothers me is right. the performance, the inauthenticity, like those types of things. Yeah. I mm no, thank you. I just rather no, not, you no. know, but I am just, you know, really as a black woman in business, a black mother, I am so inspired by you and your, and your resilience, period. Like it is this story that you have is not the norm and it is so special you are so special and sacred for everything that you have walked through and to be still standing today and be standing in the position that you are today is just inspiring and i hope that more folks feel like sharing their stories will change the world because that's exactly what this is doing i let people know often like we carry stories with us. We all have our pain and our baggage and our trauma and our triggers and our stories. And we can survive off of one another's stories just by the fact that we are not, we're never alone in our struggles. No matter what we go right. through, we are never the only one walking through that. So I just want to, you know, just congratulate you and say thank you, extend gratitude to you for saying yes to this and also being who you are in your community and in your life because it's just wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. And it's, you know, it's needed. I, I think that just being transparent and sharing your truth, it allows others to do the same and it can save, it just can, it can save someone. I, in the beginning, I had a lot of people who would say, you need to tell your story, Taylor, and let people know, like if they knew, it, you know, your story and your journey, they would, wow, you don't even know what would happen with that. And I said, well, I don't really want that to be how I built my brand, mm. <laughs> you know, so I, I didn't even talk about it for a long time. And, and it was only until I was like, you know what, this is inspirational for someone else. And for, uh, a couple of years ago, when we had our, uh, we did a crowdfund and I shared it on the interview. So many people emailed me, messaged me and were like, wow, like I'm going to confront the person that did this to me. Like I had so many stories from different women mm. that were just so inspired that it just said, I said, okay, well, I'll just talk about it every time I'm asked because people need to know that they're not alone. Like what you just said and that they you know they can they can get through this and so I'm grateful that I'm able to do that and, and not hold it in <laughs> so thank you thank you for this space you're welcome it's an honor so before we wrap up you know I have to ask you about self-care and okay what, and what you're doing <laughs> to take care of yourself <laughs> these days Self-care has been a struggle for me, but I'm actually getting really good at it now. I'm learning to to stop, do nothing, rest, sit with myself. I would say quarantine the first uh, 30, 45 days. I learned so much about myself because I sat with myself. And I, from there, I learned what self-care really is. It's not all about glamour and spas and all of that. It's really about you just taking the time to be with yourself and to just acknowledge what you've done, where you're going and be grateful and sit in gratefulness. So now I'm doing journaling, I'm resting, I'm leaving my office early and I'm, you know, going home and working from home sometimes or just staying in the house. And that is my beginning journey into self-care because I usually am a workaholic. And so mm -hmm. I'm happy to say that I do a little self-care now. Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. 
Music is by DC's own Kokai. The Hey Girl podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me, Alex L. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.